everybody, and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, and tonight will be a series of best ofs for 2016. This is the last episode of the year, so I figured why not have it off with a bang, and let's do some best of lists, all right? These are all going to be best of lists. There's not going to be any worst of 2006 type stuff. Now, it's all best of because 2016... While it was bad for some, good for others, you know, let's end it on a positive note and do some best of stuff, all right? So before we begin, let's get on with them ads. Today's episode is featured on LegitMTG.com. LegitMTG.com not only has some really well-written articles, but also offers free shipping on all orders all orders over $2 or more. Almost fucking had it there. Ever get tired of going to other sites and just have to buy some cheap singles and shipping costs more than what you're buying? No more. Any order over $2 or more has free shipping at LegitMTG.com. Pre-order Aether Revolt right now at LegitMTG.com. I know I did. This week's episode is brought to you by Horizon Datasys, makers of Rollback RX. Do you ever wish you could take your PC back in time and restore to your pristine state? Rollback RX not only allows you to bring your machine back to any point in time, but it's a great way to recover from a bad driver update, viruses, or even a botched installation. Horizon Datasys doesn't tend to discount their product often as they know it's going to save you hundreds of dollars in recovering your PC. But for listeners of Magic Wazubi, they provided us an exclusive discount. Visit. Visit. Visit https colon slash slash goo dot gl slash capital d i capital b v a capital f for 25 percent off rollback rx and as usual i will be sure to tweet out that link today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash zuby that's z-u-b-y Today's episode is also brought to you by Gamefly.com. Sign up today for a premium free 30-day trial specifically for my listeners at the following URL, GameflyOffer.com slash Z-U-B-Y. You want to play that Final Fantasy 15? Go to Gamefly and sign up for it right now. All right, do it. Final Fantasy 15 is pretty awesome. Uh, the Magic with Zuby podcast can be found on the following iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, MTGCast.com. If you wish to email me with any questions at all, Email me at mtgzubi at gmail.com. Magic Wazubi is also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Magic Wazubi, as well as Twitter at Magic Wazubi. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Magic with Zubi YouTube channel, which is now on my main YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Zubatron, Z-U-B-A-T-R-O-N. I've had that account since 2005, I think. Isn't that the year that YouTube started? Yeah, I've had it for that long, okay? Um, you know, make sure to like and subscribe and rate and review th- this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube. You know, I'm starting to release my episodes on YouTube so you can listen to it there if YouTube is your thing. All right. Also, I would like to announce, um, we're going to be cutting back on some ads here, mainly probably Audible and Gamefly and maybe Horizon Datasys. I don't know. Still, still depends because Horizon Datasys has been good to us. They've been with us for a while now. But um, maybe cutting back on Audible and Gamefly at least. But I wanted to announce that we are starting a Magic Wazubi Patreon. And before you start to grow and like, uh, is this going to become a begathon? Not really. It's I because I was I've been thinking really hard about this because it's I I know I've said before that uh you know I'll never start a Patreon, but you know there I was starting to look at what other podcasts are doing out there for Patreon in, you know, I feel like, you know what, I can do something better than that. You know, you know, why, instead of just donating to me and just getting a shout out, you know, why not do something to give back to you guys for donating to me? You know, so what I have started are four different tiers that you can pledge at or donate at or whatever, whatever it is. Um, and, you get different rewards. So I just want to go over them real quick. And this is only going to be a one-time thing. You know, I'll have it in the link in the description of the podcast of where you can access the Patreon. But if you just search Magic with Zuby, that's you can find the Patreon there. But, all right, so you can... My first reward tier is called Common. You know, haha. If you donate $1 or more, you will receive a shout-out on the podcast at the beginning of the episode, of an episode when you donate. You know, oh, you know, one dollar. No, that that's freaking awesome if you decide to donate that much. But you know that that that's a that's cool. You know, you get your name shouted out on here. That's awesome. You 
you and three other listeners will get to hear your name on there. Um, and then there's the uncommon tier. This is where it starts to get a little interesting. You will not only receive a shout out at the beginning of an episode when you donate, but you'll also be entered into a drawing to win three booster packs of the latest standard set. Unfortunately, it's only limited to the U.S. listeners only. So I'm sorry to any of my listeners outside of the USA. It's unfortunately I cannot ship sealed product outside of the U.S. due to whatever uh, standard laws or I, I don't know if it's a law or just a thing that Watsy frowns upon. I don't know the whole thing, but I can't ship outside of the U.S., unfortunately. So if you're in the U.S. and you decide to pledge $5 a month, you will be entered into a drawing to win three booster packs. Um, you, mu- you must be pledged at this level for two consecutive months to qualify, but you're always, but as long as you're pledged to this level, you will always get, you'll always have one entry into that three booster packs, you know, drawing. Um, that's my uncommon level. So the next tier is my rare tier. Uh, you'll not only receive a shout out, you will not, you will also be put into the booster pack drawing, the three booster pack drawing a month, but you will also be put into a drawing that will be held every month to win a random fat pack slash bundle. I will do my best to make sure it's the latest standard set. Um, you know, sometimes they aren't always available because, you know, they sell out really fast, but, I'll always do my best for it to be the latest one. If not, I'll either do like, let's just say I get this on the ball rolling and, you know, Aether Revolt's out when I start doing the contest. Um, You know, if Aether Revolt's not out, but I have Kaladesh available, I will go ahead and ship that out instead. But same same thing as the $5 one. You must pledge at this level for two consecutive months to qualify, and the contest will not start until this level is filled. Um. So yeah, that that's for the that's for the fat pack bundle drawing. Um, if you sub, if you do subscribe to the rare one, the fifteen dollar month one, you're going to be automatically put into an entry for the for the three booster packs because I feel like that's not only fair because if I were to say oh you can only be put into an entry for two months in a row for the three booster packs, you know you're basically paying thir- if you happen to win you're paying thirty bucks for three booster packs if you managed to win that one. So I figured it's fair for the $15 month or more that you, um, you get the, you get not only immediate access to the booster pack drawing, but you also get a chance of winning a fat pack or bundle, but you have to, but for the fat pack bundle, you have to stay subscribed for two months or more two consecutive months, I should say. And then there's the mythic level, 25 bucks or more. You'll receive a shout out on the podcast. You'll be put in immediately to the, to the three booster pack drawing. You'll be put in immediately to the fat pack bundle drawing. And then you will also be, and I figured, you know, I was thinking about this really long and hard and I figured what else could I do that could really make this special. So I figured for the mythic $25 or more, it's only for five people for right now have access to it it's you'll be part of a special patreon only google hangout or skype whichever works easier for everybody once a month where i open a booster pot booster box and the five people basically sort of split it up and receive whatever i open up you know that e- that even includes like masterpieces expeditions it's um that i don't have all the details of that yet because i haven't done it yet so if that were to be filled up and i do that where i buy the booster box and you know split up the contents between five people it's uh, i i will get that figured out more if that if that comes but as before the booster box skype hangout thing will not happen unless you pledge two months two consecutive months but you are immediately put into the 15 dollar month drawing and the three booster pack drawing so and if there's any confusion, the confusion, the fat pack bundle drawings do not start until the rare Patreon level is filled up completely. Or if the mythic or if the mythic level is filled up completely as well. Like if I get nobody at the $15 level, but I get five people for the mythic level and, you know, I'll still do the fat pack booster bundle and same with the booster packs. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I, I figured that would be a good way to really give back to you guys if you decide to pledge and donate. You know, let not only not only have it to where, 
you know, oh, you get a T-shirt or whatever or a mug or a play mat. It's like, you know, th- it's not that interesting. You know, at least, you know, you, you guys are listening to me f- for Magic the Gathering content. Let me give you guys back some Magic the Gathering content, a.k.a. cards, if you decide to donate. But if you decide not to, hey, that's awesome. That's great. If you're listening anyway, you know, thank you just for that. You don't need to pledge to this, but if you decide you want to, there are benefits to doing it. So that's my long little rant about my Patreon, and that's it. That's all I'm going to say. From here on out, I'm just going to say, hey, you know, there's my Patreon page. Go check it out. Boom. All right. Best movies of 2016. Okay, so let's begin with best movies of 2016 that I en- that I enjoyed the best. All right, so we're going to start from the bottom up here because I have all these lists written out. And um, all right, let's start off with I- I've only found six movies that I really enjoyed in 2016. Um, just to preface, I'm not that much of a movie goer. I'm not as much as a movie goer. Gover, goer as I used to be. So, you know, some of my choices may be like, oh, WTF, what the hell, man? All right. So, all right. Starting at the bottom, number six, Star Trek Beyond. Uh, the one thing I really liked about this Star Trek Beyond movie was one, it was way better than Into Darkness. Um, I am a huge Trekkie or Trekker, whichever one you prefer. And Into Darkness was just a huge slap in the face to, I, I feel like, you know, us fans for a long time. I've been a fan for a long time. And, um, like I said, End of Darkness just felt like a huge slap in the face to us, especially it trying to emulate Wrath of Khan. And it was basically, it was basically Wrath of Khan, but just everything was the opposite. Instead of, you know, Spock dying, it was Kirk dying. And, oh, God. I, I just hated it. But, Star Trek Beyond completely made up for that, and I saw it on a work event in one of those free work events where you got to sit through a sales pitch, then you watch a movie, and it was I really really enjoyed it. Um, I could have swore that I was really thinking that the main bad guy would have been a Jem Hadar from uh the what was it the Gamma Quadrant or the were the Jem Hadar from the Gamma Quadrant? I don't remember, but um. Yeah, it's shit. I don't remember now. I'd have to look it up. But anyways, um, really enjoyed the movie. It was, it was just awesome. It sucks that the Enterprise blew up again as usual, but um, really good movie. Really enjoyed it. So the next movie I really enjoyed for 2016, number five, The Do Over with Adam Sandler and David Spade. Uh, a lot of a lot of people may be groaning by now, but. I love Adam Sandler movies, even his terrible ones. It's I grew up watching Adam Sandler on SNL and his stand-up, um, listening to his comedy tapes, actually on tape and CD, and just fucking love him. All right, uh, Waterboy, Billy Madison, and Happy Gilmore, some of my favorite all-time movies. And The Do-Over, I felt, was a good movie. The Do-Over is basically about... um two guys meet up at a high school reunion and you know, they, uh, David Spade is unhappy with his life. And so him and his buddy, I don't remember their names, but David Spade and Adam Sandler, they fake their deaths and a whole bunch of crazy shit ensues after that. And it's just, it's a really good, it's, it sort of reminds me of a classic Adam Sandler movie. If you like some of the classic Adam Sandler stuff, you'll like the do over um, next movie. I really enjoyed number four, uh, 10 Cloverfield lane. I was not a big fan of the first Cloverfield, the monster movie that took place in New York. Um, I thought the movies were connected, but I guess they're not. They're just, I don't. They're sort of interconnected, in a sense. I, I don't know. But um, I've always been a big fan of John Goodman. Uh, growing up, seeing him in Roseanne and ma- mainly Roseanne because he was the sort of dad that I wanted. You know, um. And then seeing him in this movie, holy crap, he was really, really good in this movie. Really good acting. Uh, The whole movie, while it's pretty slow at times, the whole movie just really grips you the entire time. Because you're really not sure, you know, is there really an alien invasion going on? Is is Or is John Goodman's character just crazy for locking the main character and the female and the male? I don't remember their names. The female and the male in this underground bunker. You know, a really good movie. If you haven't seen it, please go see it. 
Uh, I know it gets raved about a lot on the internet, but it's well worth it. And I, I'm usually not one of those that buys into hype. Uh, the next movie that I really enjoyed, number three, The Jungle Book. I grew up with a lot of Disney movies, just like a lot of people did. And The Jungle Book was always a cartoon movie that I really enjoyed growing up. Um, loved the movies. I loved Baloo and, you know, the Monkey King or the Orangutan, whatever. And I felt this movie was pretty good overall. I don't feel like it topped the cartoon kids movie, but it was good enough to stand on its own. And I thought Bill Murray did a really good job being Baloo. And oh God, I don't remember the guy who played Bagheera. I can see his face, but he did a really good job too. I mean, the whole movie was really, really good. If you have Netflix right now, I think it's on Netflix right now as the time of this recording, go watch it. All right. Really good movie and definitely watch with your kids. Your kids will love it too. I know my kids did. Uh, next movie, number two. Uh, the next two movies are going to be some superhero movies. Yeah. Grown, grown, blah. I know. There was a plenty of superhero movies, but this one I enjoyed a lot. I didn't like it at first, but when it came out on DVD, I watched it a couple more times and really enjoyed it. And I mean, what, what, what can you say? If you look at my Twitter picture right now, you understand why I love this love this movie i mean it does have its faults trust me it does have its faults and that movie i'm talking about is batman v superman dawn of justice uh the extended version i feel helped flesh out this movie way more than the theatrical cut and i i get i understand why you know they have to cut stuff out for the theatrical edition and all that but and some of the stuff they cut out i feel like should have just stayed in there um ben affleck does a awesome job as both Bruce Wayne and Batman. And while, you know, there are, there are the complaints out there for the movie and that's just justified. It's still, I really enjoyed it overall. It, what I think what made me like this movie even better was going back and watching man of steel again, the first Superman movie or the new Superman movie. It came out a couple years ago. Then watching this, it, I guess it gave me a better appreciation of Superman in this movie. So if you did, you know, didn't really like Batman v Superman, definitely give it another shot with the extended edition and do the uh, watch man of steel first again, and then watch Batman v Superman. All right, my number one best movie of the year for me personally was something that my wife actually argued against not wanting to see it at first because she's like, no, I'd rather go watch Hail Caesar at the time or whatever, some romance movie. And we actually did. We saw a romance movie, and that was Deadpool. We laughed our asses off throughout the entire movie, and we really enjoyed it. We loved the action, the comedy. Um, Ryan Reynolds was born to play Deadpool. And he fit that role perfectly. And there, by now, I'm sure a, probably a lot of people have seen it. But if you have not seen Deadpool yet, definitely go watch it. So Deadpool is definitely, definitely, definitely Deadpool is my number one pick for best movie of 2016. So just to reiterate, again, number six, Star Trek Beyond. Number five, The Do-Over. Number four, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Number three, The Jungle Book. Number two, Batman v Superman. And number one, Deadpool. Best video games of 2016. All right, and now we're on to video games. Best video games of 2016. So this one, I picked ten games. Um, and I felt these were the best video games for me in 2016. So let's roll through these real quick here. Uh, number 10, World of Warcraft Legion. World of Warcraft Legion was sort of a return to Burning Crusade. Um, I've played World of Warcraft since vanilla all the way up to Legion, though I, though honestly, I did only play Legion for about a month and a half. I, dev I didn't play the Karazhan patch or anything like that. I quit shortly after that because while the game once again, leveling up was awesome and fantastic from level 100 to 110. Even the demon, uh, demon elf, demon hunter. Oh my God. I can't believe I forgot it. The demon hunter, uh, from 100 to 110 was really awesome too. I leveled up my druid and my demon hunter to level 110, did both class halls. I did all the quests, some of the world quests. But one of the things that I feel has sort of killed well for me in the end was it's still just another grind and it's even more apparent at end game. I mean, I guess 
now that I'm older, I just don't have the time to dedicate to grinding like I used to. You know, when I was younger and didn't really care as much, yeah, I could grind daily quests like nothing. I mean, yeah, they did get rid of the daily quests, but they put in the world quest, but that's beside the point. Really enjoyed the game. The storytelling has become way better, um, much better than that mess of Warlords of Draenor. Will I come back to the game? Yeah, I'm sure I will, it, but I'm finding myself coming back to it less and less. Uh, number nine is Overwatch. Overwatch was a really good game at first. I really enjoyed it. Um, but Overwatch is not a game to play solo, especially for me. It The times I had fun playing Overwatch were with some of my Twitter followers and some buddies. And that's the best time that I had with Overwatch. Um, I don't play it too much anymore. The last time I played was the Halloween patch. And since then, I haven't really touched it and i mean yeah I, i'm sure i'll come back to it but you know it was good it was good for what it was um number eight stardew valley if you haven't heard of that game before but you have heard of the game harvest moon harvest moon is basically a farming simulator game to say the least a uh, stardew valley is basically a return to the roots of harvest moon because my favorite harvest moon game is the super nintendo one uh, hands down next would be the playstation one back to nature is my next favorite but because i grew up playing the super nintendo one so that's why it's my favorite and stardew valley is really a return to that it's if you've played harvest moon you've played stardew valley and it's really good they've added they haven't made it too complicated as i felt some of the later harvest moon games got but they've made it just complicated enough to where you can still get it. You can still just farm, and that's all you want to do. I mean, there's a lot of side missions and all that, but well worth it. And I think the game's even coming out on PS4 and Xbox One now, if I remember correctly. Uh, next game, number seven. Some of you may make fun of me for this, but I really enjoyed the game because of just what I'm into, and that's No Man's Sky. Uh, I originally didn't buy into the hype of No Man's Sky. I didn't really get into, oh my gosh, it's going to be the next best thing ever. And I didn't even really hear the game or even follow the game at all until it like a week after it got released because I saw my Twitter feed blowing up like crazy about the game. So I'm like, what is this? And then I read about like, you can explore space, you can explore planets. That's what I've always wanted to do. And to me, that just immediately called back to my love of Star Trek. Just, oh my God, I want to go out and explore space. You know, I want to go and do this. Yeah, does the game have its fault? Yups. 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 It sure does. Yeah, it, it does have its faults. Um, it's not perfect. It's not great. I got it on the PS4 and I love it. It's a really relaxing game to just sit back and relax. And yeah, I'm just going to go explore this planet and I'm going to name it, name everything on this planet, whatever the fuck I want. I, I didn't get very far in the game because I spent, I only put maybe like 20 to 30 hours in the game, if I had to guess, and I never got to the center of the galaxy because I spent way too much time just exploring planets and all that. Yeah, once you, you do realize exploring planets can get tedious, but you know what, whatever. Um, next game, uh, this is a remastered game, but love it nonetheless and that number six twilight princess hd um the legend of zelda twilight princess uh that that was the last zelda game that i played and beat it and found everything 100 percent um because the last zelda game i played before that well actually no the last one i played was a link between worlds no i i 100 percent a link between worlds as well so you know, Twilight Princess, I last I played Twilight Princess before it came out was on the GameCube. I didn't like the Wii version at all. I, I, I hate those Wii controls. Same as Skyward Sword. Fuck that. Can't do it. Um, But playing Twilight Princess HD on the Wii U was just awesome. And I love the little amiibo. It's actually up on my little shelf right now with some other figures of Jason, uh, Link, and all that. Yeah, I have a Link up there. Really enjoyed that. Uh, number five, Skyrim Special Edition, another remastered game. Uh, I got that game for free, surprisingly, since I bought the the whole Elder Scrolls collection a couple years ago and got all five games on Steam. Well, not, not the first two, but I got discs of them. And the Special Edition actually, I guess, gave me enough oomph or enough push to play the game again and actually beat it. Um, the graphics look way better than it did on the original Skyrim. Um, yeah, I know there are mods that can make it look way awesome and better, but you know, I don't have any of those. 
I'm not really that into modding that much on my computer. I, I have messed with mods, but man, I'm just, just too much time. I just want to play the game pretty much, but yeah, it looked Skyrim special edition looks way better on my computer than in the first, the first game did. And it, I mean, it's basically the same game for the most part, just better graphics, but I enjoyed it. It was a push to have me beat the game. And I finally did. I think the only thing, no, I have some of the DLC to do, but as far as the main game, I think I only have left to do is like become the, the top mage or whatever. Cause I already did the thief and the, and the dark brotherhood quest. So, all right, number four, Battlefield 1. Um, I was sort of against getting Battlefield 1 at first because, you know, oh, it's another shooting game. You know, I I'm I was really into Call of Duty for a long time there from Call of Duty 1 all the way up to, like, Black Ops 2. And, you know, Battlefield 1, I, I do enjoy the Battlefield games. And I was just saying, I was just like, oh, Battlefield 1 looks okay. You know, I enjoyed Battlefield 3 and 4 and going back to world war one was sort of a, eh, that's kind of weird, but I'm glad I got it. Me and a buddy, a uh, coworker of mine, we've been playing battlefield one whenever we can. And it's definitely a game that's meant for you and your buddies playing just like overwatch. But battlefield one is definitely a lot more teamwork because <laughs> when you're in a field of, you know, 64 players versus 64 players, holy crap, gets a little crazy. Uh, number three, Uncharted 4. Just to preface, I have not played the single-player version of Uncharted 4 yet as of this recording. I am still working on Uncharted 3, but Final Fantasy 15 has sort of sidetracked me that. But I did play a bit of Uncharted 4's multiplayer with a buddy, and that was really, really fun. Would definitely do it again. Um, it was a big change for me because I've never really played a third-person shooting games multiplayer before and it was quite a different experience playing a third player third or yeah third person shooting game so once you get used to it it's a lot of fun and like i said it's it's more fun with a buddy i am planning on playing the single player as soon as i can i'm almost done with final fantasy 15 and then the next game i'm working on is uncharted 3 and then going to 4 because 4 just looks freaking awesome i cannot wait to play all right number two is Pokemon Sun and Moon for the 3DS. Uh, just disclaimer, I have not played this game yet as of the recording. It's actually coming in tomorrow, so I've been a fan of Pokemon Sun and Moon, or actually just Pokemon in general, uh, since Red and Blue played them, got them when they first came out. And this year I, I, I had a hankering for some Pokemon before Sun and Moon came out and played through Alpha, Sapphire, and Omega Ruby, and... I think those are a remake of Generation 3. Uh, loved the games. Really, really got into it again. And I, I didn't finish my Pokedex or anything, but really loved it. And I'm super excited to play Sun and Moon. And I'm pretty hyped. But the number one game for me for this year was Final Fantasy 15. Been waiting to play this for a long time now. And as of this recording, I am almost done with the main storyline of the game and been enjoying it. Yes, there are some flaws and I do have some criticisms for it, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to praise it for being my number one video game of 2016. If you are a fan of Final Fantasy at all or a fan of RPGs in general, definitely recommend anybody to pick it up and try it out. So as we end it, the top video games or the best video games for me for 2016 are number 10, World of Warcraft Legion, number nine, Overwatch, number eight, Stardew Valley, number seven, No Man's Sky, number six, Twilight Princess HD, number five, Skyrim Special Edition, number four, Battlefield one, number three, Uncharted four, number two, Pokemon Sun and Moon, and number one, Final Fantasy 15. Best magic sets of 2016. All right, next on our list we got here are the best magic sets of 2016. Let's start at the bottom here. You will definitely notice I omitted some because one, I either was not interested in it or I did not play it or I just didn't really like it. So make your own, draw your own theories, make your own conclusions or whatever the fuck. Uh, number six, Kaladesh. Uh, Kaladesh was the steampunk set of 2016 and... I 
it was okay. I mean, definitely, I definitely wasn't that excited, but I was more excited about rotation more than anything than the actual set. Um, uh, I, I mean, I, I've only drafted the set once or twice on Magic Online before I quit it, and it, it was okay. It was good. Um, yeah, that's all I really have to say about it. I mean, it was, it was okay. You know, it didn't really make a big splash, not like Cons of Tarkir or Theros or Return to Ravnica did for me. Uh, number five is Oath of the Gatewatch. Really enjoyed that set. That was the set that completely changed modern for those uh, three to four months. When, um, when after the Pro Tour, yeah, Oath of the Gatewatch in, brought in the colorless mana, brought in Thought Not Seer and... And, um, God, all those other freaking colorless Eldrazi. And, yeah, uh, one of my favorite cards from that set is Sylvan Advocate and Chandra Flamecaller from it. So, all right. Uh, next, next, number four, Shadows Over Innistrad. When I look back at that set now, I look at, I look back at it more fondly than when I first did because I did have that one episode where I brought in Alec talking about, oh, you know, I'm not really that excited about Shadows Over Innistrad, but now that it's, come and gone i definitely enjoyed it a lot more than i thought i did it really brought a lot of cool cards to the table for us and it, it was super fun to draft to really love the drafting environment for shadows over Innistrad. uh number three eternal masters yes it was a complete reprint set but i thought eternal masters was way better than what modern masters 2015 was and way way better set um that was the set that helped push me to finally finish my legacy elves because some of the cards that got reprinted really helped push the the card value down for some of the cards and i'll, I'll mention that in one of the best ofs here in a little bit but really enjoyed it um i didn't draft it unfortunately but it was i liked that it came out and just helped push card prices down yeah, I mean, some speculators and magic finance people may not like that, but you know, whatever. I'm here to play the game. Uh, next, number two, Commander 2016. They Wizards did something really unique this year with the four-color commanders and the partner mechanic. Uh, I've read that some people, not not everybody likes it and hates that they're, you know, especially evol involving two commanders and you can have two commanders now with the partner mechanic yeah i can see why people don't like that it, it makes it it makes the game even crazier now but you know what commander to me is the sandbox of magic the gathering where you just do whatever the hell you want i had a buddy of mine emery who basically described commander to me that way and commander 2016 just pushes the envelope even more for what can we do to make magic even crazier more shenanigans that's one of my favorite things about commander is just i want to see some shenanigans i don't even care if i lose by infinite combos if it was an awesome shenanigan i had a good time playing uh number one magic the gathering set for me this year was eldritch moon i cannot tell you how excited i was for eldritch moon not only with emrakul coming back and liliana the last hope was awesome um spell queller was a really awesome card grim flayer yeah it did spawn one to me one of the most boring decks out there black green delirium but you know it, it was super fun to draft uh loved the set and it was just had so much flavor to it a lot of callback cards from the previous innistrad set and it was all around super super fun loved it so the best magic sets for the year, just to go over them again, for me, were number six, Kaladesh. Number five, Oath of the Gatewatch. Number four, Shadows of Innistrad. Number three, Eternal Masters. Number two, Commander 2016. And number one, Eldritch Moon. Best Magic Cards of 2016. All right, now we are on to Best Magic the Gathering Cards of 2016. Uh, let's start at the bottom here, again, as usual. Number 10 is Thought Not Seer. Oh, that lovable Thought Not Seer that you have to reveal your hand and they choose an on-land card and it gets exiled. Love it. Actually, no, hate playing against it. But it's such a damn good card, you know. So damn good. 
with it only costing three and a colorless, you know, it was not uncommon to, especially when Eye of Ugin and Eldrazi Temple were in modern. Well, Eye of Ugin got banned, but when both of those cards were in modern, play turn one Eye of Ugin, oh look, two Eldrazi Mimics, and then turn two Eldrazi Temple, play Thought Not Seer, oh look, you've got eight coming at you turn two. Oh crap. And then plus that Thought Not Seer takes a card from you. Oh, how fun was it getting Thought Not Seared and then, oh crap, what is it? The, oh my gosh, the white Eldrazi. Why am I, why am I forgetting the name of it here? Uh, the one that bounces everything. You know, I'm looking this up. You know, I know I could easily, is it Eldrazi? Eldrazi Displacer. Oh my gosh. Probably everybody's listening is like, you're an idiot. Why didn't you remember that? Yeah, the Eldrazi Displacer. I thought it was Eldrazi Obligator, but that's the red one. Um, Eldrazi Displacer with Thought Knots here. Oh, that was tons of fun, you know? Oh, look, uh, he's bounced and you gotta exile your card. Like, oh yay, lovely, fun, but really good card if you're on the, you know, if you're actually playing the card. So, and then, Number nine is Wandering Fumaral. A land, you say? Not just any land, but a creature land. The red and blue one. The is it creature land. Um, out of all the creature lands, this one's been my favorite uh, for this new cycle. And it's it becomes a 1-4 after paying two, a blue, and a red. But it also, you can pay zero to switch the creature's top power and toughness until end of turn it's still a land uh it's that best creature land out of there and it's helped me immensely in my control decks over the past year in standard um next number eight is ceremonious rejection probably one of my favorite counter spells especially for kaladesh uh costs one blue instant counter target colorless spell especially on my meta at fnm a lot of people play artifacts ceremonious rejection is a must i at least have two to three in every sideboard that i build and it like i said it's almost a must because my meta is so artifact heavy with vehicles and the the stupid storm deck the aether flux reservoir or whatever and the Marvel decks, too. Don't get me started on those. And Colossus decks. Ugh. Whatever. Uh, so, yeah, Ceremonious Rejection is number eight. Uh, number seven, Sylvan Advocate. He, he's he been my new favorite elf. Uh, can't put him in Modern or Legacy because he's just not good enough. But damn, was he good in Bant Company. Uh, one in a green, Vigilance 2-3, as long as you control six or more land, Sylvan Advocate, and land creatures you control get plus two, plus two. So you got some Lumbering Falls or Wandering Fumarol, and you want you want to get them plus two, plus two, boom, Sylvan Advocate is your boy. You know, you have more than one on the field, you know, your Lumbering Falls, you got two Sylvan Advocates, your Lumbering Falls is now a 7-7 seven, seven with Hexproof. What? Beat that. Love you, Sylvan Advocate. You're my boy. Uh, selfless Spirit. Uh, that is the one in a white 2-1 flying spirit cleric. You can sack Selfless Spirit. Creatures you control gain indestructible to end a turn. You might be noticing a little bit of a trend here with some creatures that were really popular in Bank Company. Yeah, you'll see why. You'll see why. All right, number five is Chandra Flamecaller. When I was playing heavy... Eldrazi ramp, Eldrazi, Eldrazi ramp early on with Oath of the Gatewatch coming out. Uh, Chandra Flamecaller was my go-to Planeswalker. I think at one point I even played four of her. Definitely I played three of her because she was my board wipe. Much better than Radiant Flames. I mean, I did have Kozilek's Return, but she was like my backup board wipe. And I could get her out early by turn four sometimes. Turn four or five. Whatever. And um, still my favorite Chandra Planeswalker. The new Chandra, the Torch of Defiance, that one's good. But Chandra Flamecaller, you're my girl. All right, you're my girl. Yeah. Um, number four, Liliana, the Last Hope. Uh, a return to a three-costed Planeswalker who is still really expensive. Last I looked, she was forty bucks. Probably even higher now. I mean ridiculous i hate that she costs so much but she's so good um th one of the key com components to black green delirium and i mean can you blame them it's 
just a really good planeswalker. Uh, for me, it's her and or Gideon and Ty that are in a tie for best planeswalker of standard right now. Number three is Natural Order. Wait, you're, you may be thinking, that wasn't printed this year. Yes, it was. It was a reprint. Um, I only put Natural Order in because when it was reprinted in Eternal Masters, it brought the price down of Natural Order. I think it it was floating around 30 to 40 bucks before Eternal Masters, and Eternal Masters made it drop down to 20 and I was able to pick up a playset for 20 apiece. And thank you, Eternal Masters, for that. Those were one of my final pieces before getting the Gaia's Cradles that I needed for Legacy Elves. Uh, number two is Spell Queller. Spell Queller, everybody's favorite spirit. Uh, I told you earlier, notice a trend here. Uh, Spell Queller, one, it's one and a white and a blue Flash flying when Spellqueller enters the battlefield, exile target spell converted mana cost four or less. When Spellqueller leaves the battlefield, the exile card's owner may cast that spell, may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Everybody hates this card. I love it. All right. I mean, I I hate having it played against me. I mean, yeah, of course, who 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 does like it? But it's still e even now it's so good in standard and blue white flash. Um, I'm playing Bant Flash right now and still love it uh number one now before spell queller there was another card that everybody hated in standard when it came out especially in bant company what may what could the card be you wonder if you're wondering this is what it is it's reflector mage reflector mage another one white and a blue. When a reflector mage enters the battlefield, return target creature and opponent controls to its owner's hand. That creature's owner can't cast spells with the same name as that creature until your next turn. Huh. Yeah. Lovely. You notice a lot of these cards are from Bank Company? Yeah, because I played a crap ton of Bank Company when Shadows Over and Shroud came out. Ugh. As much as Bank Company won me FMs and had me do really well at other big tournaments. I did enjoy the deck. I liked what it did, but my god, it dominated for way too long, man. Reflector Mage, so good. Bounding Crisis, so good. Before Spell Queller came out. Uh, Reflector Mage at an uncommon, with that kind of ability it did. If it ever got reprinted, I would not be surprised if it got reprinted at rare. Because that kind of ability at uncommon, that's just insanity. So let's go over it again, my top or my best cards of 2016 that were printed this year. Uh, number 10, Thought Not Seer. Number 9, Wandering Fumeral. Number 8, Ceremonious Rejection. Number 7, Sylvan Advocate. Number 6, Selfless Spirit. Number 5, Chandra Flamecaller. Number 4, Liliana the Last Hope. Number 3, Natural Order. Number 2, Spellqueller. And number 1, Reflector Mage. Best Standard Decks of 2016. Next, we got the best standard decks for 2016. And when I'm talking about best standard decks, I mean my best standard decks, the ones that I enjoyed playing. All right, and evolve them. And there weren't a lot because, yeah, I, I think it's because you can probably guess number one because I played that deck for way too long in standard and I didn't really try anything else. Uh, number seven, Mardu Vehicles. Out of all the Kaladesh decks that wasn't Bant, I enjoyed Mardu Vehicles the most. It The bad thing that I didn't like about the deck was it's extremely straightforward. Um, it felt like there wasn't a lot of thinking involved with it all the times I played it. Um, you know, it, it did have a lot of really good cards. A Smuggling Copter, of course, a Toolcraft Exemplar, a Dapala, a Veteran Motorist, and yada, 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 all that. And... But overall, really enjoyed the deck. I liked, I did play the red-white for a while there, but adding the black, being able to add in uh, unlicensed disintegration, that just made the deck even better. So that's number seven for, for me. Number six was Grixis Emerge. I only played the deck a couple weeks, but I loved the idea of it. Being able to not only bring back prized amalgam with haunted dead, which is sort of similar to the zombie deck, but being able to sacrifice them early on, being able to sacrifice a haunted dead in order to bring like an elder deep fiend or a distended, uh, oh crap, distended mind something. 
Oh, what's the name of it? Yeah, yeah, I know. I should have this. Distended Mind Bender. That's what it is. I'm like, Distended Mind something. But, um, yeah, it, it was a really cool idea. Um, I feel like the deck just isn't quite there yet. Maybe it needs some other cards. Maybe Aether Revolt prints out something good, or maybe Amonkhet does. But right now, it's just sort of a good FNM deck. Uh, the next deck that I really enjoyed, number five. Uh, I guess you would call it Red Black Zombies, but I called it The Walking Dead. Uh, with cards such as Crypt Breaker, Prized Amalgam again, Haunted Dead, and just being able to get zombies coming back and forth. You know, oh, you wipe my board, you don't exile my creatures, you just kill them. You know, oh, look, they're all coming back now. Oh, Scrap Heap Scrounger is another one of them. And just really enjoyed the deck. I brought it to a IQ or a PPTQ. Didn't do that great, but it was definitely a lot of fun to play. Like I said, that's another deck really fun to play. I just feel like it's not there yet for higher competitive play, at least in my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong, you know. I mean, I, I only made the Pro Tour like 18 times. You know, not really. Just kidding right there. Uh, next deck that I really, I, I loved this next deck. Um, but once again, just feel like it's not there yet, but really a lot of fun to play in FNM is, is it Machine Gun with the Thermal Alchemist and, you could use, I, I tried both ways of Thermal Alchemist and the Thing in the Ice or Storm Chaser Mage. Basically, the Is It Machine Gun is just your standard burn deck, but just a lot of fun with Thermal Alchemist. It untaps whenever you cast a instant or sorcery. So you can, you could tap it to do damage to them, untap, and then you untap it as you cast a spell, tap it again to do damage, you know, machine gun style. A lot of fun. Uh, next deck, I don't really have a good name for this deck. I guess the best name would be Bant Flash because it's very reminiscent of the blue white flash shell right now that's happening in standard. But it's, I guess, like I said, Bant Flash. It, it's basically your standard Bant deck with Thraben Inspector, Smuggling Copter, Spell Queller, Reflector Mage, Sylvan Advocate, Tireless Tracker, and Verudis Gear Hulk and Archangel Avacyn. It's basically another name for the deck would be Bant Good Stuff. That's what I'm playing right now in Kaladesh Standard and enjoying the hell out of it. I haven't taken it to anything higher than FNM. Um, maybe if I practice with the deck some more and got it more fine-tuned, I could do even better than I do at FNM. FNM, I'm usually, you know, at least top four every, every time I play it. All right, number two, I played this deck for a while, uh, especially even before Oath of the Gatewatch, and that was Gruul Eldrazi Ramp. I love Ramp. Ramp is such a fun uh, deck archetype. Uh, probably the best game I ever had with this was being able to get a turn 5 Ulamog out. I mean, this is before Aetherworks Marvel, and my opponent just having no answer for turn 5 Ulamog at all and just scooped. Uh, really awesome deck. Loved it. Uh, it definitely got weaker when Shadows came out and uh, Eldritch Moon. It just sort of died off. I tried to make it happen, just couldn't work. And But yeah, that was my number two best deck of 2016. Number one, as you could probably guess, is Bant Company. Well, I hear the groans through the audience and I hear even myself groaning about Bant Company. I enjoyed the deck. Like I said before, really enjoyed it. Thought it was, it's a very good deck. It just dominated for way too long. And I'm glad it's definitely like Collective Company is off, off the charts now. And it's not there in standard. Would I want to see it come back? Sure. Because I want to see some people cry. But you know, that's neither here nor there. So just to go over again, the best standard decks of 2016. Number seven, Mardu Vehicles. Number six, Grixis Emerge. Number five, Red Black Zombies or The Walking Dead. Uh, number four, Is It Machine Gun? Number three, Bant Flash, or what I call Bant Goodness, or Bant.deck. Uh, number two, Gruul Eldrazi Ramp, and number one, Bant Company. Favorite Magic Content Creators of 2016. All right, these have been my favorite Magic Content Creators of 2016. Um, some of them you may not agree with. Uh, some of them you may not have heard of before. But it's definitely ones that I personally, I try to watch as much as I can because I'm pretty bad at, 
you know, making sure I keep up with all the podcasts and YouTubers that I like and follow. But it's like when I do get some time, I do try and enjoy them as much as I can. So let's start off with Total MTG. Uh, Total MTG is a British YouTuber who does a lot of crack a packs and deck techs on his channel. And he also, I don't know if he does them as much anymore, but I've seen him, him and a buddy, you know, practice decks against, against each other. I don't, I can't remember what exactly caused me to find him. It could have been just a random Twitter follow one day, but I know, I think it was during the time of when I was playing a Tarka Elves in Battle for Zendikar, and he wanted to take the deck and make a video about it. That got me hooked on him. I'm like, not only is that cool, he's taking my deck and putting it on a video, but you know, he's also, he also does a good job of explaining the deck text and it's, it's fun watching him crack packs as well too. A uh, really cool guy. Uh, hope to have him on the show soon for an interview. And like I said, de- subscribe to him, Total MTG, and you can find him on Twitter, YouTube. Uh, that's all I know off the top of my head. Uh, next one is Life Begins at 20. He's a relatively new magic content creator as well. Um, I think he just started a couple months ago, I think, and he does a lot of good cube videos. Uh, he does some crack packs as well. I think he's British as well, too, right? I think so. Maybe. I don't know. If you're listening to this, Life Begins at 20. Sorry if I completely screwed that up, because um, I thought Total MTG was from Australia at first because he says mate a lot. I, I didn't. Maybe that's a British thing, but I just think mate, and I'm thinking Australia slash New Zealand. So Life Begins at 20 is another good YouTuber that I really enjoy. And if you like cube, he's starting a new cube series at the time of this recording. And it's pretty good. Go, go check it out. Definitely watch it. Uh, another YouTuber that I enjoy is alpha investments. Um, I don't get too into the whole magic finance scene. I do enjoy it from an outsider's perspective to see, you know, what's going on with, I can't believe people are investing in this game, but hey, you know, whatever makes you money makes you money. That that's that's your deal. Uh but what I like with Alpha Investments is he goes a little bit on the wild side. He goes, you know, conspiracy Rudy and goes you creepy Rudy and all that stuff. He he makes his videos interesting, so to say, and I really enjoy that. Um so check out Alpha Investments on YouTube. The next guy, very controversial figure. And I may get some hate mail about this, but you know what? That's fine. It's the other uh, favorite content creator for this year has been MTG Headquarters. Yes, there is a lot of controversy surrounding him, and I get that. I understand that. Um, I feel some of it is a little bit unjust, is just my opinion. And I could go deeper into that, but I'm not going to right now. Um, And yes, he does tend to start a lot of shit on Twitter. He will, you know, try to uh, manufacture drama between, you know, some other big YouTuber names. And it to me, it's just interesting to watch. I as far as his Twitter drama goes and all the drama that surrounds him, I still enjoy his videos, what he and he does seem like he cares about the magic community and he tries to give back and, you know, and he. He's. I feel like his booster box openings or his basically crack pack openings are, you know, bar none, really good. So, like I said, there's a lot of controversy surrounding him. I get it. I understand. Not everybody likes him. You know, everybody likes different things, whatever. But really enjoy MTG Headquarters videos. And that's that. Uh, next one is probably my favorite magic podcast. And I've had one of their hosts on before. And I've talked to him on before. And that's If Lance Could Kill. Uh, as I've said before, the thing that describes them best is you're, it's sort of like you're peering into that group's, you know, hangout session in a sense where you feel like you're a fly on the wall and just listening in on their conversation. It doesn't feel manufactured at times. Cause I listen, I've listened to a lot of magic podcasts and they, if Lansky Hill, they're definitely genuine enough and they are funny enough and they're loud and crude and you know who cares i it's i love it and i look forward to every one of their episodes every time and yeah like i said if lance could kill definitely check them out uh the i don't know if i this would be number one because i didn't really number these but last but definitely not least the 
one place that has actually introduced me to a lot of these is kitchen table magic forums. And the main guy, Lazarak or Lazaric or Laz or whatever his name is, I always screw it up. Um, he started this forum earlier this year, I think in January or February, maybe even before then. I don't remember exactly. And he's brought about a pretty cool little niche community of people that are just general, genuinely, genuinely, can't say that word, genuine, genuinely, there you go, Zooming. You can actually talk now. Genuinely interested in just talking about magic and not being, you know, sort of rude about it, if that makes sense, um, where they're just like talking about like, oh, this new card came out. Oh, you know, let's all talk about how we can break it and how cool it is. And it's all very, it's all very friendly. And I've only seen maybe one or one or two times a handful of nasty comments, but Laz runs a pretty good ship where he just knocks that out. So, but kitchen table magic forms is, I probably hang out there more than any other magic forum lately. Um, especially, especially during work. I mean, you're kind of fucking bored at work, especially when it's slow, especially now this time of year where it's like Christmas time, new year's Eve. Oh my gosh. Is it slow? So dumb. So bad. But anyways, but no, definitely check out kitchen table magic forums. Um, I think you can just Google search them and be able to find it. So just to reiterate that the best content creators of 2016, our total MTG, Life Begins at 20, If Lands Could Kill, Alpha Investments, MTG Headquarters, and Kitchen Table Magic Forums. Zuby's hopes for magic in 2017. All right, let's end this with the my hopes for magic in 2017. Let's start at the bottom and work ourselves way up to the top. Number four. Actual good reprints for Modern Masters 2017. And I don't just mean the rare and mythic rare reprints. I mean actual good common and uncommon reprints. You know, I was watching a video of a Modern Masters 2015 box opening. Holy crap. There are so many bad cards that were printed for that set. I completely forgot all the crap that was printed for that. No wonder everybody hated that set. Um... Yes, I get it. Wizards wants to make a good limited set. You know, I guess a good draft environment for it. But you know what? It's a reprint set. Make it full of good reprints that are actual, actually worthwhile. So let's hope that the reprints for Modern Masters 2017 are actually good. Uh, number three, Magic Online actually becomes a good online TCG client. Very doubtful because... I just don't see that happening next year, but one can hope, right? These are my hopes for 2017. Um, yeah, I don't see much hope with that. Uh, number two, moving away from the Jastis League and the story. Um, it, God, ever since Battle for Zendikar started, it's been a whole Saturday morning cartoon show with the story. Yes, I have not read every single story in the Magic Story, but all the ones that I do seem to read all seem to be about the Jastis League and it it's getting old, honestly, Wizards. It's I I'd be so happy if all five of them died. Like oh Liliana, Chandra, Nissa, Gideon, and Jace, if they all died, I'd be fucking happy. Because damn it, move on and bring on some more interesting characters. Seriously, it's getting old. Um, and then number one best hope for 2017 is printing better non-creature spells in standard. Don't be afraid to reprint good non-creature spells. Bring back Lightning Strike. I know you'll never bring back Lightning Bolt, but don't be afraid to bring back Lightning Strike. Don't be afraid to bring back a good Exile spell. You know, we have Declaration in Stone, but... Hey, why not an instant exile spell that's, you know, at least reasonably costed two or three mana? Print a good counter spell again. Um, the new disallow seems to be pretty good, but, you know, I go on and on with that. But let's make non-creature spells great again in standard. So there you have it, everybody. 
that has been my best ofs for 2016 with a little bit of hope for what I want in 2017. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, make sure to like and subscribe that YouTube channel. Um, write a review. Smash that review button on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Um, we've got bigger and better plans for 2017. And I'm hoping to take this podcast to the next level. So help me get it there. I'm going to keep providing for you guys week after week and doing what I can to make this an awesome experience for you. So thank you again for listening and everybody have a great night.